Hey, good morning. Glad you are here. Glad you're present. And, uh, you know, hey, since we were together last Sunday, have you noticed that there's been a little bit that's happened in our country? Uh, just a few things have taken place over this last week. And uh, I think before we do anything else and we focus on the word and talk about being positively peaceful, that we should turn to the Prince of Peace. Amen. And let's, uh, let's pray for the Bidens. Let's pray for the Trumps. And, uh, you know, it looks like right now we have a new president-elect, um, and yet we still have a president, at least for the next couple of months. And I'll tell you, both Trump and Biden need the grace of Jesus on their lives. You know, I think there's going to be a lot that's still to be figured out over these uh, coming weeks. If you've been paying attention to the news, there's a lot going on still in the finalization of the, uh, the counts of the votes. But we want to pray for God's grace on these men and on our nation. So would you join me right now? Lord, we lift up the United States of America. Lord, this is the place in which you have placed us. This is our home. And Lord, just as we moments ago celebrated veterans and prayed for those who have served our country, defended our country, Lord, we also now pray, Lord, for President-elect Biden and for President Trump. God, we ask that you would give them wisdom. You would give them grace. Lord, you would give them insight beyond their own natural ability. Lord, and we thank you as the sovereign Lord that, God, that none of what is transpiring has escaped your great insight and your ability, Lord, to shape the hearts of not only people but of nations. And so, Lord, would you continue to shape the heart of this nation toward you? And God, use us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, praise the Lord and keep praying. Uh, amen? amen? Cool. Hey, as we're like looking at the book of Philippians, there's a couple of themes that keep reoccurring. And, and two of these themes that are reoccurring in here are ones that, that we are as believers, as followers of Jesus, are to have these two characteristics in our lives in increasing measure. And here are the two characteristics, joy and peace. Joy and peace. And all throughout Scripture, we see that these two things, that, and I believe that they're rather interconnected, but we see these over and over again as two characteristics that should be in the lives of those who are following Jesus. It's like if Jesus is in your heart, joy and peace should also be in your soul. Like, for example, when, when you read of the fruit of the Spirit, right, those characteristics that should be growing and increasing in the lives of those who follow after Jesus, what is that list? There's nine things that it says, but right after love, what does it say the fruit of the Spirit should be? Joy and peace. Joy and peace. And we see this in the book of Philippians. But you know what? I believe that, uh, that these two things, joy and peace, are not things that just come naturally. That's why it's part of the fruit of the Spirit. They are, there's a supernatural work to bring joy and the peace of the Lord in our lives. 
but we are told to contend for them. We are told to press into joy and to press into peace. Now, in a few weeks, we're going to come back and look more specifically at that characteristic of joy. But in this passage that we're going to be looking at today, starting in Philippians 4, 4, we're going to be looking at this core message of peace that Paul is wanting us to hear about. But as we start the scripture, you're going to think it's about joy. But it's more about peace than joy, okay? So follow along, starting in Philippians 4, 4. And this is what Paul writes. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice! Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. He'll be with you. So now Paul says a bunch of different things in these uh, few verses here in this, in this paragraph. But at the heart of this passage is the idea of peace. I want you just to look with me for a moment just at verse 7. This is what he says. He says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So he says, this is a peace that transcends all understanding. Going beyond, in other words, anything that we can imagine or even think. And I'll tell you, right now in our world, there is a whole bunch of stuff that would want to steal away and rob us of our peace. But he says that this is a peace that will transcend our understanding. Our understanding of peace tends to evaporate when we are confronted by unpeaceful, stressful, challenging situations, things that just would rob us of our peace. And our understanding of peace, the picture that we have in our minds of what peace would look like, it just seems to disappear at times when we're confronted by things that are stressful and unpeaceful. It's like when I'm sick. Like Kelly would tell you that when I'm sick, I am pretty miserable. I am not a lot of fun to be around. I don't hide it well when I'm not feeling my best. But I'll tell you what, it's the most interesting thing. When I'm sick and not feeling well, I can't even remember what it means to feel healthy. Right, have you, ever, have you ever noticed that? Like you get this pounding headache and you can't even remember what it feels like to not have a headache because you're consumed by that pain in the moment 
And so our understanding of what health would look like or not being sick or out of pain would feel, it, it disappears. We, do, we don't even remember. Our understanding can be shaped by our experience. But into this is, is the same thing about peace. When things come at us that, that are working to kind of actively steal our peace, steal those things that would bring just rest to our soul, now that can lead us to being very pessimistic about our future. We, when we're trapped in this mindset, we can't even remember what it felt like to be at peace. It's just gone. It's just that sense of like what it really means to be at rest in our soul and be at peace just seems to be gone. But I want you to notice what this scripture says. It does not say that we're going to be transported out of the challenging situation. It says that we can transcend it. Meaning transcend means to like to rise above that situation that would challenge us and would confront us. We're not going to be transported out of this, this passage says. It says that we're going to have a peace that transcends it. In other words, friends, I don't know what challenges you're facing right now. I can imagine a bunch of them because we're living in 2020. God doesn't say he's going to transport us out. He says he's going to give a peace that will transcend 2020. Amen? Man, we need that. So, and then he goes on and says that this transcendent peace will guard our hearts and our minds. So not only is this a peace that will help us transcend and rise above the circumstances that we're facing, but it is a peace that protects. Protects our minds and our hearts. That very place that our understanding is formed, we're going to be guarded by this peace. How does this protection happen? As we looked at it, it doesn't say that all trouble is going to stop when God enters our story. God doesn't block all problems from coming our way. But being protected by peace works this way. When our understanding is informed by the spirit of the living God, we see our circumstances differently. That's how he guards us. He gives us his insight. We could even say a prophetic insight. He will give us a new vision of reality that helps us to rise above and transcend the situation in a way that actually protects our souls. Now, I need this protecting peace that guards my life. I can't, I can't even imagine you know, what, it's, what it would be like to not have Jesus giving me his prophetic insight into life in our circumstances here in 2020. I mean, without Jesus, I think I would be in full-blown panic mode, right? How about you? We need Jesus. And, and I'll tell you, when we look around the world and see people that are living anxiously, that the, the evidence of their life is that they do not have this transcendent peace that is protecting their understanding and their minds of the world, you know what? Well, it, it actually makes sense. This is what Paul said in another letter that he wrote in Romans 8, verse 6. He says this. He says, 
Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But check this out. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and what? Peace. When we allow the Spirit of the living God to have like control over our understanding, giving us this transcendent peace that is designed to protect our souls, guess what? It, man, it, it leads to life and to peace. But man, when we let that sinful nature control our thinking and just that natural looking at the world without God's prophetic insight, man, it leads to death. It leads to being in a very unpeaceful place in our lives. And we see that reflected, unfortunately, in the lives of a whole lot of our friends and neighbors. And sometimes we even see it when we look in the mirror. So how do we move toward peace. I believe in this paragraph, starting in Philippians 4.4, I believe that Paul shows four different clues to us of how to move into peace. So you ready? Here we go. The first thing that Paul says is that we can receive God's peace through praise. Through praise. He says this in verse four. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. You know what? I'll tell you what, it's hard to stay anxious and unpeaceful when we are praising God, when we are rejoicing, expressing our gratitude for who God is and what he has done. It's just hard to stay unpeaceful. Praise moves us towards peace. And notice what he says. He says, rejoice in the Lord, not rejoice in your circumstance. So he doesn't say like, oh, you're sick or, or there's really challenging things happening in our nation or there's unrest and there's conflict. Ah, just rejoice in those things. No, Listen, he's, I think that Paul is a realist and he, he's really wise here. He's not saying rejoice in the difficulty or that challenge that is tormenting your soul. We don't rejoice on those things. He says rejoice in the Lord. In other words, those things that torment our soul, those things that would want to steal away your peace, those things um, do not have the capacity to take away all that God is in your life and what he has done for you. So I said, like, when I'm sick, I'm miserable. But you know what? When I'm sick, you know what it does not steal away? It does not steal away the fact that God has brought an amazing woman into my life to be my wife. Doesn't take that, take that away. Doesn't take away the fact that God has blessed me with three incredible children. I can still be grateful for that. I can still praise the Lord for that. I can still thank God for my church family. I can thank God for so many things. I can be grateful for my salvation. Because when I'm feeling sick, I'm feeling like, okay, God, this time I'm coming home to be with you. (laughs) Right? But I know even where I'm going because I know that he has rescued me and saved me. In other words, I can still rejoice even in the middle 
of conflict and struggle. And notice what he says. He says we're to do it always. Always. No matter what is happening, whatever happens, be people of praise. Praise should be the default position of our hearts for people who follow after the Lord. In another one of his letters, Paul just dropped this little thought in. He says, our hearts ache, but we will always have joy. Isn't that beautiful? Even when my heart is aching, I can be someone who reflects praise back to the Lord. Heart, I will rejoice. You may be aching. You may be dealing with sorrow. You may be dealing with conflict. There may be things that would want to come after me to torment my soul. But that torment is not going to have the victory here. Because I can be someone who rejoices always. Because I have been redeemed by the Prince of Peace. And another thing that Paul says in this passage that we've just been reading, he says, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. With thanksgiving, that's part of that rejoicing, that's part of being a person of praise, is when, is when we come to God, it's not like, oh God, I'm just miserable, I'm just, but we actually begin to say, God, What can I be grateful for that you have done in my life, that you have done in my family, that you have done in our nation? God, we are people of thanks. And that's a very practical way to just move into this reality of being people who are those who rejoice always, no matter what is going on, even when our hearts are heavy. God, yet I will rejoice. Amen? And what we, what we find is that this gospel-shaped perspective of thanksgiving and rejoicing will open the door for us to walk into peace. Hey, the second clue that Paul gives us in, in here is just this, this little idea, and it's in verse five. It's almost like you could just read right over it as Paul's saying these different things. He says, The Lord is near. And we can receive the peace of the Lord through his presence. Through his presence. The first way is through praise. The second way that we receive God's peace is just through his presence. Would you just repeat that little verse, verse five, four words. Just say it with me. The Lord is near. Would you say it again? The Lord is near. And throughout all of scripture, we see this reflected in so many different beautiful ways. I love how the prophet Zephaniah reflected on this reality that the Lord is near. This is what he says in Zephaniah 3.17. He says, the Lord, your God, is with you. The mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you, he will quiet you by his love. Don't you, I I mean, I'm just so taken by that. That like, thinking about peace, right, coming to a troubled soul, 
And it says that he will quiet us by his love, his presence, and he will rejoice over you with singing. Man, this is the God who is near. This is the God who is with us. Jesus said, I love this, right at the very end of his earthly ministry, he was departing to return to heaven and he turns to his disciples at the end of Matthew. You can read this and he says, and be sure of this, I am with you always. Friends, the Lord is near and that changes everything. Now, I remember being a little guy, probably three, four years old, and there were times I would have nightmares. Did you ever have nightmares as a kid? Anybody? Anybody with me there? Anybody still every once in a while, right? You admit it? Every once in a while, I still will, but they're, they're pretty rare. But man, when I was a kid and I had a nightmare, I probably did what you did. I threw off my covers, ran down the hall, and jumped in between my parents, right? I wanted to feel the presence of someone and someones who I trusted, that they could look after me, that they could chase away those things that were coming after me to torment me. I wanted to just be near them. And I'll tell you what, that worked. I mean, it's like no more nightmares when I'm like cuddled in right here into the presence of mom and dad. Well, guess what? We have a heavenly father who longs for us to run to him, who longs to help us realize that I am near. You know what? When Jesus had gone to the cross, right, died a a, a gruesome death for us, right, to bring about the possibility of our salvation. When he did that, And then he was put in the grave. And all of his closest followers were freaked out because they were like, we're next. Like, they're going to come after us. We just saw Jesus die this horrible death. Now it's going to be us. We're next. You know what? They all went and hid out in a room. But three days later, guess what? Jesus didn't even bother knocking on the door, right? He just like, whoop. He comes right into where they are. And you know the very first thing that Jesus says to them? Peace. Peace be with you. The first thing that Jesus brings when he becomes present in our situation is that he brings peace into very troubling, very challenging circumstances. We have peace in our lives because we have the presence of God in our lives. Jesus even promised that when he would return to heaven that he would always be with us through his Holy Spirit. I love the fact that one of the names of the Holy Spirit, if you look it up in the Greek, it's the paraclete. It says that the Holy Spirit is our paraclete. He is the one who comes alongside. Friends, the Lord is near. And because of that, you can be at peace. Will that protect our hearts when we realize that I'm not in this alone, but God is by my side. The Lord is near. 
Never forget it. Then the third clue that he gives us, and probably the one that would like be most evident as we read this passage, is that not only can we receive the peace of God through praise and through his presence, but through prayer. The third P, right? We receive God's peace through prayer. This is what he says again in verse 6 of chapter 4 of Philippians. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Listen, so often, us human beings have a tendency, when we get into trouble, to try to work it out on our own. I mean, we try to medicate our own pain, right? There's so many different ways that people will just medicate that unpeaceful place in their their soul. They try to just work it out like, man, I can figure this out. Man, my, my marriage is like difficult and challenging and man, we're hitting all the, but I can just figure it out on my own. I don't need help. I'm not gonna go to a counselor. Why would I talk to someone? I can figure this out on my own. And ask me how I know that, okay? That describes, I think, about the first six years of my marriage right there. I can figure this out on my own. But you know what we're told here by Paul is that in every situation that we are to bring our needs, our requests, our petitions, those things that we're crying out for, saying, God, do you see the circumstance? We're to bring them before the Lord. Because we can just forget. We can forget that we can present our needs to the God who is present with us. Remember, he is the God who is near and even when we think about prayer, it can feel like so distant. And I just, wanted to, I just want to take a moment and say, sometimes when we like think about the concept of prayer, talking to God, that we can just assume that like God is so far away. Like this is such a big world and there's needs that are happening all over the world. I mean, there's different continents for goodness sake. Maybe God's like focused in a different part of the world. And there's a whole lot of situations that are probably worse off and more challenging than my little dilemma. And I'll tell you, when we allow our minds to go there, we miss the point. Because when we pray, we are talking to the God who is near, who promised that I will always be with you. And so when we pray... It's not like talking to some entity that we don't know who's far away and far removed and isn't aware of my situation. No, when we pray, listen, you gotta capture this. We are talking to the God who is near, to the Lord who is present and is aware. As I'm seeing something, he's seeing that. Do you think that what we're facing are things that he is not aware of? No, he is aware because he is with us. So prayer and petitioning the Lord is not like just throwing out some like hopeful wishes that things would get better about this thing that's tormenting us. We are actually saying, God, do you see this? Mm -hmm. God, would you work in ways that I can't in regard to this situation? 
But God, I know and I trust the Lord. Not only do you hear me, because you're right here by my side, but you see the things that I'm seeing. You feel the things that are weighing on my soul. You know the very things that are bringing torment and would want to steal away my peace. So I bring my prayers to the God who is near, not to a God who is far off and he doesn't care. He cares. His love for us is demonstrated not only on the cross, but by giving us his spirit. He loves you and he is near and he is listening for our prayers and our petitions. And as we pray, again, it opens up that door for us to walk into peace. Ramon, I I hope you don't mind me just sharing just a little bit of your story. Is that okay? Uh, Because this just came to me right here, looking at my friend Ramon. Um, He had surgery uh, just a week and a half ago, and and, uh, it was like the night, and we had talked, we had prayed, we had anointed him with oil, man. It's like, God, just just work your healing miraculously and through the doctor's care, and and, but, but man, it was the day before, uh, the day before the surgery, and Ramon calls me back and he's like, Pastor, man, I'm, I'm pretty anxious here, right? And it's because we're facing natural human things. Like, I, I don't know what's going, what it's going to be like. I, I, you know, it's, it's out of my control, and whenever things are out of our control, right, they're going to, like, put me to sleep, and then they're going to, like, slice into this body. I don't like people slicing into this body to do stuff, Right? They just had to repair a bone, but you know what? But it still can rob us of our peace. But what did we do? We prayed. We reminded ourselves that Jesus is Lord, and he's the Lord over broken bones. He's the Lord over our bodies. He is even the Lord over those doctors and all those who are going to be attending. So God We declare, not only are you Lord, but you are here. You go with Ramon into that surgical suite. You are not leaving his side. God, you've got this, right? And as I talked to Ramon after the surgery, it went really well. And 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 I'll tell you, we need to be reminded that we are not in this alone, that not only is God near, but we can talk to him. He is present, and he's seeing the things that we see and is with us to bring remedy. The fourth clue that Paul gives us is in that final verse of that paragraph. It's in verse nine, because it says here that we can receive God's peace through practice. And as every good pastor, right, they all begin with P today, okay? We can receive God's peace through praise, through his presence, through prayer, And then he says, through practice. I want to check out verse 9. He says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me. In other words, we've been hanging out for a while. You've seen my life. You've heard me talk about things. I've talked about Jesus. I've talked about real life situations. I've talked about your marriages. I've talked about going to work. I've talked about you're the boss or you're not the boss. I've talked about all this stuff. And you've actually seen the way that I behave and live my life. He says, whatever you have seen or heard in my life, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. In other words, 
If we don't put these things into practice, friends, why would we experience God's peace? God's peace comes as we practice being people of peace. Now, I love the fact that Paul is writing this from a Roman prison cell. He was not like, like on his rooftop mansion, you know, like he's, he's like up in the penthouse, like just jotting these thoughts down and sending off this little, you know, and he's got people waiting on him and bringing him all this great food. No, he is chained to a Roman guard. And he's saying this. He's saying, hey, remember all the things about my life, things I've been talking about, like if you just go back to the beginning of the letter and see that this has not gone well for me here. But I know that I can be someone who rejoices always. And I know that God is near and that I can pray to him and petition him and he hears the cry of my heart. All these things, friends, put them into practice and guess what? The God of peace is gonna be right here with you, right here alongside of you. We are called to practice peace. In fact, Jesus said it this way, blessed are the peacemakers. People who put peace into practice. I call this acting our way forward. Right, I mean, that is like, that is a pretty major psychological principle. If you've ever studied psychology or whatever, it's like sometimes we just get, need to get out of our mind space of what we feel like and begin to act differently. If you, you know what? You want a more loving marriage? Well, I don't feel very much love in our marriage. Be loving. Like, make the choice. Oh, I, I can do that? Even though I'm not feeling like there's this huge amount of love and intimacy, be intimate. Like, just make the choice and be loving and guess what happens you act your way into a different future does that make sense hey if you're in school elementary school right middle school high school and you're like man i want better friends act your way into that future be a better friend Right? What would a better friend look like? What would a better friend do? How might I be a better friend? You know, or how might I, I experience better friendship? Man, it starts, I can just act my way into that future. And guess what Paul is saying here? All these things that we've been talking about and all these things you've seen in my life and you've heard from me, put them into practice. You don't feel peaceful? Start acting as a peacemaker in your own life and even in the lives of those around you. Start being someone who brings peace. Because when you start reminding other people, hey, you can rejoice. The Lord is near. Let's bring that issue to prayer. Guess what happens when you become someone who starts to act that way and starts to bring peace into the lives of others? Maybe in your, with family members that you're even maybe sitting around with right now and it's like, hey, we've got this. God is near. Let's bring it to prayer. Let's figure out things that we can be grateful for in the middle of this situation. Guess what happens when you begin to act as a peaceful person who is now becoming a peacemaker? 
a peace bringer. You get the beautiful reciprocation of that. It's like I give peace and what's echoed back to my soul? Peace. I can act my way forward into a peaceful reality. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. This is, this is the normal lifestyle of those who follow Jesus, to walk in peace and to be someone who can bring peace to others. So the four clues that Paul gives us of how we can receive peace by being a person of praise, right? A person who understands that he is present. Then we can turn to him in prayer. And then we can put these things into practice by being a peacemaker, a peace bringer into any and every situation. But I want to address just one thing as we close. Then we're going to pray. I believe this. I believe that there are times when it's possible that someone is not experiencing the peace of God because they have not experienced peace with God. This is what Paul wrote to the church in Rome at the beginning of chapter five. He said this, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. What has he done for us? He went to the cross for us. I mean, he came to earth and lived a life, right? I mean, gave up heaven for us. Then he went to the cross for us. Why? So that we can be forgiven of our sin. That every stain in our life could be washed away by his blood we could be forgiven and enter into right relationship with the God of the universe. Isn't that amazing? And it says that when we enter into relationship with him by faith, by simply saying, God, I trust that what you did 2,000 years ago wasn't just for those people 2,000 years ago, it's for me. And God, I receive the gift of your salvation by faith. I say yes to your promise and your offer that I can have life in you. It says that when we do that, it says that we have peace with God. And so I just wanna ask you, if you haven't done that, if you've not put your trust fully in Jesus and what he's done for you, well, I'll just say what scripture says. That you may be a person who is, you're not walking in peace with God. And if you don't have peace with God, then maybe that's why you're not experiencing the peace of God. And so as we close, we're going to turn to prayer. And if you have been someone who says, yeah, you know what, I've, I've never made peace with God. He wants to give you that opportunity today to make peace with him simply by saying yes to him, by putting your trust in him. So Jesus, we now come before you. And God, we all want to experience your peace. But God, before we experience the peace of God, we need to experience peace with you. And so very simply, I'm just gonna ask, if you have never put your faith in Jesus, 
If you've been trying to figure out life on your own, if you've been trying to self-medicate and just work your way through life and figure things out on your own, and you've never put your trust in Jesus, but today you just sense his invitation, like, hey, come to me. You can trust me. You can put your faith in me. Then would you just simply say, yes, Jesus, I respond to your promise of having peace with you. So I put my faith in you today. If that's you at home, now right now online, we have some pastors that are online with you and all you need to do is just type into there, whether you're on Facebook or on YouTube, just type in and say, I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm saying yes to his peace. And those online pastors are gonna like pray with you online and they're gonna give you some resources. But if you're right here, if you're in the sanctuary or I can see you out through the doors in the courtyard, if that is you today, I'm just gonna ask, if you want to say yes to Jesus, would you just lift your hand and say, that is me. I need peace with God. And so I'm putting my trust and my faith in him today. If that's you, would you just kind of wave at me? Jesus, thank you. Yes, amen. And God, I just pray the Lord that you see the hearts of every person here and everyone who is with us online. Lord, you know right where they are and you know the torment that has been plaguing their souls. And God, I pray now for peace. Your peace that it says passes all understanding, that transcends our understanding. God, I pray that, Father, because of your goodness and your power, that you will cause us to be able to rise above those things that have been troubling us and that we we would be people of peace. And then we would be people who would become peacemakers in this land. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, walk in peace. Amen.